short term to get all that in place, um, I think it's a bit of a long shot. However, let's hope, let's dream, let's try. As long as there's sustenance to to what they're saying, as long as there's clear criteria for people to do, as long as we are generating this extra income that we're hopefully going to get, you never know. There might be loads of these big investors wanting to come in. You know, rugby union at the moment financially is looking like it's in a bit of a turmoil. Dave and Keith talk all things rugby league on the Duckhouse Rugby Pod. Welcome to this week's episode of the Duckhouse Rugby Show. Dave and myself, super excited. We're joined back onto the show, our regular referee. Uh, he's a former Super League referee and now an ambassador with the State of Mind Sport charity. It's Mr. Ian Smith. Ian, welcome back to the show. Oh, good evening and thank you very much for the invite. You no two worries. guys are looking well, hope you're okay. <laughs> We're doing all right. Lots happening this week, Ian. Uh, obviously, we've come towards the back end of the season now. That, that That's done and dusted with, so we will talk about that. But firstly, I want to get into the big topic of the week. Uh, IMG, the global organisation who have come in to have a look at the uh, assess the sport as part of a 12-year strategic plan. Uh, and to partnership with the Rugby League. Obviously, it de- delivered the first set of recommendations for the sport, and then we're going to go through them. Dave's had a really good read of them. D- Dave is, is our little uh, our little brain box on guru. this one. Yeah, he's our guru. Yeah, well, I'll talk you through a few things, but first of all, guru, that's... that's I'm pro- Probably not a guru on it, but I've had a read of it. Voodoo. Read... <laughs> voodoo. You're a voodoo doll. <laughs> who do the voodoo from the gurus? Oh, possibly know more about that than I do this IMG. Um, <laughs> That's worrying. I'll just take you through some of these recommendations and we'll, then we'll discuss them. I have read a lot of the social media comments, so it's worth noting before we get into this that there's a lot more information filtering out through social media than I've read officially on these updates. Now, that may be that a, a lot of it's speculation, which when you hear enough times starts to become fact, or genuinely people may know quite a bit more, which is now starting to filter through. So we'll try and temper some of those as being speculation for now because we're not 100% sure. Can but... we do it as a quiz? Is it true or yes. is it more <laughs> True or false? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the recommendations are a reposition calendar which optimises flow, narrative and engagement, incorporating regular peaks of interest and a compelling season climax. So I guess that's the grand final. And the other one that comes after that that's pretty much linked, a calendar aligned with a global game to facilitate an international window in October and incorporate a mid-season international. So that's pretty much saying... We're going to look at this calendar and we're going to change it if we need to to ensure we get that international at the end of the year and we get a mid-season international. So a lot of focus on international. How much do you think we need to change the calendar we've got already to make that happen? Oh, I'm a massive uh, fan of International Rugby League. My worry is, uh, have IMG had a long conversation with the NRL who really, let's, let's not beat around the bush, are the power makers in International Rugby League as much as we don't like to admit that, but they hold all the power with their players, as we knew from cancelling the World Cup the year before. Um, 
So if IMG have had a conversation with the, the big cheeses at uh, and the NRL and said, right, at the end of the season, we're going to put an international calendar together uh, to make sure that all the major rugby league playing nations play, uh, and they're in agreement with that, absolutely fantastic. I genuinely believe that international rugby should be the pinnacle. Unfortunately, the state of origin seems to be the pinnacle uh, of, of the NRL, which it is for the NRL, but not for the global game. So I would I would love Super League NRL play their season end of the season they play international rugby league then they have a break then they come back absolutely fantastic I'm just a bit worried uh, if I'm being really cynical how uh, the NRL will view uh, IMG's proposal about having a meaningful international calendar at the end of every year I don't want to be cynical because I try not to be I'm trying to be really hopeful uh, I just know how, how or what I've read that about the NRL um, regarding international rugby league, and it worries me. Yeah, that, that I think most people would agree with you. Though we're very much in in favour of meaningful internationals, and many more of them. I remember going as a, a child with uh, Keith and our, our dad in 1986. I think it was all three tour games: mm. Australia v Great Britain, and it sticks with you like that. Felt like the pinnacle. Where now the international game has drifted away, and club rugby seems to be more engaging for many of the fans. So it's flipped on its head a little bit from in the last 30 or 40 years. And this seems to be identifying that we need to flip that back and get International Rugby League back at the forefront of many people's minds. So I'm very keen, as you are, to see uh, more internationals. But the calendar will have to shift, it's saying. But it's talking about a, a finale, so I presume the grand final, and that will enable October for meaningful internationals so will they bring look to bring that grand final to late september pretty much the week it was this year when it was brought forward a couple of weeks well i think they said that the super league is going to start a little bit later either next year or the year after so if it's going to start later and finish earlier does that mean we're going to have a lot of double headers which um if you remember what was it three weeks ago when we had that thursday friday sunday monday game when there was a, a, a bank holiday yeah. And, and people were saying about the quality of the game was poor because players were injured. How many teams virtually, because they had nothing to play for, just decimated their old, old squad? Uh, and, and I just think if you're going to have a competition that's maybe condensed, you've got to look after the player welfare because we want the quality. I don't want to turn up to watch a game of rugby league or watch it on telly where you've got five, uh, six or eight or ten reserve grade players playing because they're resting the first team because they had a game two or three days before it it doesn't make sense it's got to be meaningful week-to-week competition and if it means we only have 24 26 fixtures then so be it i'd rather have quality than quantity they're looking at 22 so they're looking at the right loop fixtures and the removal of magic magic Mm. so it'll reduce the uh, amount of games so you can start later yes you can which was very similar to the very first Super League when we went to summer. It used to start uh, quite a bit later than it does now. But mm-hmm. people have mentioned, and this has come up from uh, comments on our Facebook group, is can clubs survive on so few games? One of the drivers behind the games is the clubs themselves to create income and create interest. You reduce those games, you're reducing the income for those clubs, but clubs go for that with such a reduction. Well... <laughs> The answer is it's always income over expenditure, isn't it? You know, if, if 
people are going to get 11 quality fixtures and they're going to go to all of them rather than pick and choose because they played Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, and they're absolutely <laughs> exhausted. Then, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I, uh, 11 home fixtures, will that sustain a club rather than the, the, the 13 that they've had? Will two extra fixtures make a difference? Will the sponsorship that IMG can uh, might maybe bring in be able to alleviate that loss? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, like, like you're saying though, as well. One of the things you've got to think about, given today's climate as well, is that rugby league is a family sport as well, and and a lot of the time, a dad will go with his, one or two of his children, or so a grandparent will take theirs, or a mum will go with their children, you know, or an aunt or an uncle, whatever it may be, whatever the that mock up of that family is. But if you're going on a Friday and you're paying to get in, and then you're paying again. On, a, on the Monday, that's a lot of money within within a week and within mm. that month. Like you say, if there are a, re, a reduced set of amount of games, but the better quality, and you know you're going to get your first graders in, albeit you know everybody being fit and healthy and selectable, um, and, and no no bands and what have you, then you know yes, people are more likely to attend. I would think a, re, a regular home game season. How many do you think then, Keith? you would have to improve your gate to make up for the games that you've lost. 20% on your gate? Would that make up that loss? You've got less running costs because you're only running half as many games. Your stadium costs will come down, your lights and... Stewards and so well, it's it's a it's a sixth less in it, so it's sixteen percent less. So you've got to generate sixteen percent more now. Like you say, if that if 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 it means they don't have to hire or rent the uh, the ground for them two extra games, if they don't own the ground, they don't have to pay stewards, they don't have to pay electric, they don't have to pay all that. Then maybe that sixteen percent might come down to eight percent. So all of a sudden, it, and they might not be playing winning bonuses, you know. So there might be a bit of an index linked there. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, savings. It's definitely efficiency savings. But, but aren't they having? Sorry for interrupting, Dave. Aren't they having loop uh, double headers for Challenge Cup to try and get a little bit back? Or you know, is 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 there's some talk, um, despite Keith building it up a lot, that I knew all of this. I'm just throwing <laughs> him under the bus. <laughs> I put oh. me on the spot, but there was talk of the Challenge Cup having a different format, potentially, to what it has at the moment. So that, that people spoke about the Champions League structure where you have uh, uh, small mini-groups going through to a next knockout stage. So there's been talk of of that. So, yeah. Well, I've also read today that it's home and away and it's an aggregate over the two games. So, yeah. Well, like, that, that's, Champions, like Champions League football? Uh, yeah, that's what, what I read knows? today. Yeah, we're trying. It's like no, that was a, that was on social media, yeah. so it might not have been right. But yeah, no, we're the, the, tries the, counts too. We're tries eight count. points for in the way try. Yeah. <laughs> three three points for conversion if you're behind. That yeah. was the one, wasn't it? That's it. it. So <laughs> there's also there's all sorts of shenanigans, isn't there? Yeah. But but no, I I'm very much quality over quantity. I have to say. Yeah, I think it's a good move. If the clubs can uh, finance it and it'll work that way, I I like the sound of these changes, I'll be honest. The next change is quite a long-winded one and one that has caused uh, probably the most chat on social media. So bear with me a moment while I read it out. I've got, got it on the screen next to me. So participation in the top tier to be based on a range of on and off field measures delivered through a club grading system with the aim of supporting financial sustainability and encouragement of investment into clubs. 
Goes on to say, Category A clubs will be guaranteed participation in the top tier. Category B clubs will be reassessed annually with the highest ranking clubs occupying the remaining slots in the top tier. Promotion and relegation will continue on the field of play between second and third tiers. And with tier two increasingly filled with strong category B clubs. So what that sounds, the top tier, so uh, tier one and tier two at the moment, Super League and Championship, there'll be no automatic promotion and relegation. Although clubs will be able to increase uh, viability through off-field, better stadiums, better um, um uh, increasing uh, income as respects and those type of things, infrastructure and so on, to climb the ladder in categories and therefore being with a chance to gain promotion to the top tier should opportunity arise. And between tier two and tier three, there's automatic promotion and relegation. So the hope is that you clubs will see this and have to improve what they do off the field to give them the best chance of being in that top tier. Just on the field alone isn't good enough. If you've not got everything behind it, all the infrastructure, but you're good on the field, that may not be enough to get you in that top tier. Similar to licensing in a way, but it, I, I like the way that it's now categorising clubs and it's encouraging clubs to do better. Do you agree with me there, um, Ian, or? Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, my, my worry still goes back to uh, if you so if I'm if I have no points in the league, so I play 22 matches, I'm bottom of the league with no points. Yeah, I'm bringing in decent revenue from sponsorship. I've got a good ground. I have a, an academy and a youth system, uh, but yet I get no points. Where does that leave me? So I'm category A on everything else, but my playing roster is absolutely poor because it doesn't really matter. Because I'm always guaranteed Super League, so it doesn't matter how quality my players are because I'm guaranteed Super League. Um, does that does that fit right? Is there, is there going to be a waiting on points as well? Or is it purely about the investment, about the structure, about the, the stadium? Uh, I believe it's a blend, but it's a good point you make. But I'd argue that if the team is doing so well off the field but struggling on it, so that, that certain squad at that period of time are really struggling, but you're a big sound, solid club, you're worth your place at that top table because you're contributing to the whole of rugby league because of that. You you then got the time to develop that playing squad. One risk with up and down at the moment is going from full pro to semi-pro. It's a massive jump. Players are uncertain on their futures. It leads to people looking for contract negotiations early in the year, which has also been brought up on Facebook. Is that right, that people are looking for those negotiations so early and can have a new club for next year and they're only a quarter of the way through this season. All of that insecurity is born from that massive drop. It's not a drop, just a drop in leagues. It's a drop from full pro to semi-pro and, and the difference in wages is astronomical. Mm. And the team coming up has got the reverse problem of trying to build a squad on the field in one year to stay up. And if they don't, they back down so you get these yo-yo clubs so this will secure them and they can invest in youth because they don't have to get it right in year one. You can bring that youth through and they can make mistakes. So I see a lot of benefits to it personally. I don't want the door shut completely because I do want those other clubs who may be struggling off the field at the moment and maybe the playing squads are decent but not quite up to Super League. I want an avenue in for them but it shouldn't be automatic because there's so much at risk. 
So I, I possibly see it slightly different than others. Some people are all for licensing and no promotion relegation at all. I'd say a lot of people that agree with promotion and relegation. Yeah. And can I, I can see why. Can I just come in there then? Let me, let me ask you a question. So say there's nine clubs category A yeah. and then there are six clubs category B. Because it's saying then that the, the top three clubs of category B will be assessed and will get the the place in Super League the following year. If it, if it we don't know how, how it's weighted points wise, how do I know if whether I'm the sixth club so I'm in championship or the first, second, or third club and I'm in Super League? Because six of us are in category B. So I, do, I don't know because I think my ground's better. Well, it might not be, but I think my youth system's better, but it might not be. I think my investment's better, but it might not be. So you've still you've still got jeopardy because it's annually. So it, it, at what point do they say, well, you three are there and you three are there? You know, is it the end of the season? So then you, if it is the end of the season, then all the, the category A's will take all the best players anyway. So is it not a, then the same continue? I'm playing devil's advocate here because no, 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 it's like no, 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 I said no, 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 before... Yeah. If you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got. And and rugby league, unfortunately, is not as healthy as we want it to be. So something has to change. Uh, I thought they'd have thrown mergers in, if I'm being perfectly honest. So I think that's that's maybe uh, sort of. I see the thing for like Cumbria as a team. Yeah, in, in one of the lessons somewhere. What it does is it puts that responsibility on the clubs, not on the governing body or Super League or AMG is if you want to climb that category, if you're stronger as a merger, so you may be two Cat Bs, but if you merge, you may meet the criteria for Cat A, puts that responsibility on the club themselves. I'm not sure whether anyone would do that. There's, it, it, it's a very sensitive subject, mergers, and I can mm. see why. You know, mm. I, I totally understand why that is. So, yeah, I, I, so much will come out in the detail, Ian, I think. Once we know more of the detail of how it's classed, I think Category A um, will remain. Cat Bs will have it reviewed every year. I think that's an opportunity for them to increase what they've had. It'll be done like an audit, I suspect. It'll be a point system through an audit. And then if you review it annually, you've got an opportunity then to, to do better in your audit and therefore climb that category ladder, giving yourself the best chance to climb the tiers within Rugby League. The so. Rugby League fans want to be promoted on an audit? Probably not. Or do, or do, they want to, do, you want, do we want to get promoted because we've beaten all the other teams? Look at the the way that, that Batley, uh, you know, the, how they're promoting the Batley, you know, the Batley against Lee, you know, the giants of Lee against the little minnows of Batley and the excitement that's, that's around, you know, that game to get into Super League or whatever it is for this this weekend. But yeah, we're going to get rid of all that. It'll be a case of, whoa, yes, I hope we win this audit this weekend. Who's going to who's going to get the juices flowing for that? Yeah. You know, I know, I know, I'm taking it to its end degree. You know, I'm not trying to come on, you audit. Yeah, come yeah. You know, the the, the 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 accountant rather than the scrum half is going to be the most important person in the club. The commercial director rather than the standoff is going to be the most important person in the club. The the person who paints the toilets is going to be the most you know more important than the fullback. It it just ah, again I, I'm I'm fighting against myself because I don't want to be cynical. Doesn't it normally run hand in hand that anyway? So clubs who are making more money who have youth systems, uh, who have stadiums who generate income, they're at the top anyway. 
So uh, it, it's you're not really going to get someone who doesn't have any of that, but an outstanding team and, and could compete at Super League. It's, I don't think we've seen it, have we, up until we haven't seen it in the last 25 years. So I, I don't think it'll be that big an issue. Bantley's a, a really good topic because they're a fantastic team. I, I enjoy watching them at the weekend in the semi-final. They play some superb rugby, punch above the weight. But if they would they be a regular in Super League if they came up? Could they make it financially viable? Do they have the infrastructure to support uh, growth across rugby league as a whole? I, I think they're a very, very important team. But are they in that position at the moment of some of those top clubs? I don't know. Maybe someone from Batley can correct me. I don't know enough about the club behind the scenes, so it'd be interesting to know. But... Obviously, there's a lot, of, a lot of discussion. We could have some more back and forth, but there's some other points to to make. So, should we, should we move on and we can maybe double back on some of these in a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, an expansion strategy to be developed that targets and supports the growth of the women's and girls' game, and also growth in new markets. What I read into that is that when you look at spreading the game, it's really difficult in the men's game because you've so many other top sports at the moment vying for for that. And there's a bit of a there's a northern image to rugby league in the men's game. So I travel the country with me day job. I speak to lots of people, and it's just seen very often. It's seen, oh no, that's not for us. That's just up north. People have said that to me. Well, that's mm. not our game. That's it's only for up north. That isn't it? As if it's designed for, and they're not allowed to play it. It's a, so it's already, it has to break that down and, and it's very difficult to. We've tried it for many years. But I do think the women's and girls game has more of an opportunity to do that because that stigma isn't the same in the girls game. It really isn't. Um, they seem to be much more open to enjoying the sport and rugby union doesn't have the same. Uh, it isn't as embedded as the men's game is. So it's almost an easier win for rugby league, I suspect. So maybe if we want to spread the sport, amateur and the uh, women's and girls game is the easiest way to spread it. And then maybe the men's game can piggyback on the back of their good work rather than the other way around. Does that sound reasonable? Sounds very reasonable. Uh, and I applaud it. And uh, you look at some of the women and girls games and, and the, the World Cup, you know, the women's World Cup, God, there's going to be some cracking games. You know, there's going to be some huge hits and some great players. And you, you look at the Australian New Zealand teams that are coming over against some of our girls and, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, you, you're right. Because we are so embedded in that M62 and up in Cumbria and, and we, we, we struggle to expand. And these are new markets. You only have to look at what football's done uh, after the Euros and, and this and the other. It's just tremendous. So... To getting women and girls into sport is, is it an easy win, I think, at the moment, because it is just this new influx of, do you know, girls can do all this, women can do all this, they've got so much skill, they've got so much talent, now they've got opportunities, and, and it's for us to really grasp that nettle and run with it, and, and we, we need vision. Uh, and I think we have, I think our, our women's and girls games growing massively, you look at a lot of these amateur clubs now and, and they, they can't wait to get girls and women's rugby league set up. Yeah. So it's growing at a massive rate. Uh, we just hope it doesn't just grow in the heartlands, but I don't think it will. But again, it, it's still about the book. You know, it's still, you know, there's still a lot of cost implications on traveling around the country, playing fixtures. 
So we've got to we've got to really spread it and be clever at where we spread it as well. But no, it's a very exciting time uh, for for women and girls in rugby league. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism on our opportunities to spread the game beforehand and to expand into new markets. And to be fair to rugby league, I think it has tried. It's really tried hard, but it's very difficult. And if it's not generating enough income, then it's hard to sustain it and keep going. And that's where we've fallen short in the past. And I think the uh, women's game has got more a bigger chance of having a sustainable product across the UK. So I'm very excited by that. We've watched the uh, women's game quite a few times and we've been uh, really pleasantly surprised at the standard of it. It's, it's come on so much in the last three or four years. I do think they'll struggle against some of those um, uh, other teams. I watched uh, the Origin, the ladies' Origin over in Australia and I couldn't believe the standard yeah. was incredible. It mm. was very, very high. So mm. as good as ours is and as much as it's improved... I think we'll go well, but it'll take some effort to to overcome them. But the best of luck to our... Absolutely. Oh, I'll be shouting yeah, yeah. and cheering them on without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. 100%. So the next one, a participation of clubs outside of the UK to be capped and with additional standards to support domestic growth. So the rumour is it's going to be capped at two French teams, no more than two French teams. And they'll have to have a certain number of their own domestic players in those teams and therefore develop rugby league in that area rather than just using players from elsewhere <clears> being <throat> based there. Because you could, you know, parachute in any area and if you took a team to it, it's you're not really uh, benefiting the area. Uh, that's a bit cruel possibly on the south of France. Isn't that what they do anyway? Developer, well, I think there's looking at minimum numbers of homegrown talent. I don't think they have the same restrictions currently. Do you know what, Dave? Lemieux, Carcassonne, Perpignan, Catalan, all them, all them regions have layers and layers of rugby league. Yeah, it's the, already the there. Player, it's already there. And it is, is that been the fault of? the likes of the Super League where they've, they've set up bigger clubs and then brought other players in, foreign to France, so not non-French nationals, and pushing the young ones out. So are they getting disorientated? Are they getting disheartened? Because it is a th- that you from, from the youth level upwards, we've played there as a youth um, out there, and, and it's strong. It's very, very competitive. Very competitive at youth level. We're not converting enough of those to first teamers in Toulouse and, and, and Catalan at the top table. So by enforcing more development of their own into those top team squads, if you remove relegation, they're not worried. They're not having to bring in top Australians yeah. and pay mega bucks to stay in the league. Yeah. They can develop their own without fear of relegation and therefore develop French rugby because. As it's improved, but it's not improved at the rate it should have done, yeah. considering Catalan have been at that top well, Port, table for so long. Port, Port Toulouse have been like a yo-yo, haven't they? When we spoke to, to, to Derek Beaumont from Lee, he suffered that as well. They, they, they come up and then they bounce yeah. back down and they couldn't afford and sustain the wages that they had at, at that time and they had to cut the cloth yeah. accordingly. Um, so, yeah, the French clubs have probably had to do that. So, yeah, giving, giving them that security net, I think would definitely help and help promote um, their, their own internal growth. Yeah, definitely. I, I certainly agree. 
Shall we move on to the next one then? Just a couple more left. Uh, operations to be centralised where this can maximise efficiencies and drive incremental revenue, e.g. ticketing and digital infrastructure. So I imagine this is if all the teams have slightly different methods of buying tickets and selling tickets, you're paying for software and people operating the ticket office separately in each club. If you can centralise some of those functions, you're, you've, you're only paying once. You've got one team of uh, salespeople on tickets. It's not a salesperson for St. Helens or Warrington or Catalan. It's a salesperson for rugby league games and they're promoting it and trying to sell it and all of them. Some of the marketing could be centralised if you've got a 50k a year marketing budget or 200k. Maybe all the clubs could contribute to that and have some central marketing so you get more value for that money. And it'd be a, 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 a level price across the comp for certain standard of ticket. Yeah. It yeah. would be good. It would make sense, that. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what I'm reading from that is like a central, obviously, ticketing thing. So you wanted a ticket for uh, Warrington and Leeds, you go on to the RFL website and get your ticket from there rather than at the club. Possibly, yeah, yeah, some some type of centralisation. But would also would that then thinking of that would that incentivise either the neutral or other people to go? Hey, do you know what? There's a game there. I fancy that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a ticket up for that while I'm while I'm here while I'm on it, and and, and buy a ticket for another game that you wouldn't normally watch. Possibly, yeah. You know what I like, and I've often thought this: if you're a season ticket holder at Hull FC, and you're over this side of the country with work, as as often I am and others are. And you think, I'd like to go and see a game. Should there not be a reduction if I'm a Hull FC supporter? I'll go and watch Wigan and I'll get some money off if I show my season ticket. Because that person probably wouldn't pay full price. And they've already contributed to Rugby League by buying the season, season ticket. ticket. It's almost like a membership scheme then, isn't it? Your season ticket, not only does it get you in Wigan, St. Helens, or wherever you're seeing tickets for, yeah. it also makes you a member of Super League, which entitles you through this central office, if you like, to get a ticket for OKR or whatever, Wakefield. You know, if, if you if you just, even if you don't want to see your own club, you know, you might want to take another game. You know, just anything to incentivise fans to, yeah. uh, to become neutrals, to watch any game. We know we've got a great product, but we don't always market it, we don't always sell it well, because everything seems to be complicated. Let's have a very easy system. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, if you if you centralise your marketing as well as your ticketing, that they can aim some of that marketing to all clubs and all fans at all clubs, so you've got a better chance of, of encouraging that additional participation. So it's, I suppose, what salespeople call upselling. You've already sold the products, but you can upsell by selling them some more. So, yeah, again, it's be interesting to see the details, but we'll... Uh, see, this is, I think, some of the... Sorry for interrupting. This is some of the, the thing from yesterday. Whether there's so much meat to put on these bones, they only wanted to give us a flavour yesterday. But we are surmising here. We might be a million miles off. But, you know, this is what happens on social media. Everybody then starts to, to add their own little bits. So before you know where we are, it's nowhere near... What, yeah, what is yeah, going to actually happen? Yeah. So when are they going to put the meat on all these bones? Do we know? Is it just going to be a trickle out? I, I think they've said they wanted to implement everything by and for the season for 2025. But 
Again, I don't know. Right. This is the first paper that's come out, isn't it? Right. Okay. And, so there's plenty of time then. We're just going back to that central ticketing thing as well. If teams are getting lesser home games because of, there's no like loop fixtures and, and and double ups and stuff like that, so they need to increase increase the revenue. Is putting the ticket sales to a central thing because surely this central fund or this central organisation would take they're not going to do it for free are they they're going to get they're going to want revenue from somewhere so is that the supporter that pays that and, and the club still gets the same money as they would for, for, for each sales ticket and I'd, I'd be interested to see where the balance is on on that side of that yeah I think there's still quite a little bit of, of information that needs to be put to that if this is encouraging a neutral to take in games that they wouldn't normally take in, absolutely fantastic. It's a win-win. If it means that you're taking people who might go and watch anyway and they're getting a cheaper ticket via this central thing and then the club aren't getting that full money. So not only are they losing that fan, they're losing an even bigger percentage. Yes. So I, I get where you're coming from on that, Keith. In terms of the uh, numbers, uh, the aim is by 2026 to have a top flight of 14 teams and 14 teams in the championship from 2024. So I think the uh, the categories, we'll start looking at those, that I suspect uh, in 18 months, two years, it'll have to hap- start to happen then. If you're looking to implement something by 26, people need to know where they are and what the criteria is. So it sounds like a, a long way off, but I don't think it is. It'll come around very quickly and teams will have to... Clubs will have to start putting those things together now. So then there's four extra fixtures. So so then we're not really bothered about quality then because we are going to go back to quantity. Well, I suppose it's still fewer games, isn't it? Well, they one fewer than it is now. We only play 27 now. You're only missing a magic weekend. If, if, you, get, if you get 14 teams, you're going to play 26 fa- fixtures. So then are they going to bring it to make it a longer season then? If it's longer season, then we do they get meaningful internationals because the, the players have played an extra four matches. Well, you know, How many matches do we have at the moment on the regular 27. Loop? We have, they play 27, 27 at the moment. The, the other benefit, though, of having 14 teams, even though it may be a similar amount of games, is you don't have this over-familiarity. So it's uh, easy for you a, to say. Yeah. yeah. We're seeing the same teams all the time play each other. It loses a lot. So it does. I... So by adding more teams and maybe some round robins in the Challenge Cup, you'll see new teams or different teams play each other, which will uh, add a, quite a bit more interest, I suspect. But the final point, if we come to that, and then we'll take some of the questions that, that I'll, uh, I'll look up in a moment a new brand strategy to be introduced and aligned with the above commercial strategy. So, new branding, I suspect that just means new branding, which I suppose... IMG (laughs) present Rugby League. You see there's a lot of voiceovers, can't you? Yeah, I suppose if you're introducing these changes and you want to really sell your products and you feel new, look new, feel new for all the fans who are there, you need a new brand to go alongside that. Does that is that just a new little icon that you can put on the download as an app, and as an advert, or is it a new name completely? Will it be called Super League, or is it going to be called Rugby League North, Rugby League Live, Rugby League UK? Why do they not call it rugby? 
League Europe, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, some, I, I read a little bit on social media today where they were talking about European Super League. Uh, or Europe, sorry, European Rugby League or ESL or ERL rather than yeah. NRL. Because, um, you know, I mean, IMG took all like that, uh, with all like the UFC branded, didn't they? And, and all yeah. that. So they'll probably try and find something uh, that's. I like ERL, European yeah. Rugby League. I like that one. Well, it, the, the thing is about at the moment now, the, the football in, in women's football, you know, they've got the women's Super League. So, so you know, the Super League is not because of the growth of women's football. It, it they might almost end up uh, banging heads shortly. Where it's well, what is it? Is it football? Is it women's? Is it men's? Is it rugby league? Yeah. So European rugby league. But is there all? Is there already another brand of that? Uh, is there a Euro league? Or oh, it, it's good luck to them on that one. Uh, you know. Yeah. Rebranding, as as we know, sometimes doesn't always go well. But insignia, uh, do you remember insignia when the post yeah. spent millions of pounds? Yeah, for about, yeah. For about a month yeah. calling yeah. everything insignia. Yeah, it, it's you, you've got to be really careful with rebranding because it, it it you know doesn't always fit. Uh, you know, we've been simply for twenty seven years now. You know, and just just be careful. Sorry, twenty five years. Just be careful what 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 we wish for. You know, because I, th- I think the brand is is still good, but don't don't do any harm to put a little bit of pizzazz on the outside of it. Sprinkle a little bit of magic dust uh, on it. I think since Super League started, though, and we've had the internet's become so much stronger and, and more identifiable with brands and little icons. You know, that's uh, the, the M is McDonald's and so on. You, some of these brands, you only have to glance at them and you know exactly what they are. Sort of the. Uh, Volkswagen, Audi, you know, those type of things. Uh, do we have that in Super League at the moment? As you say, with the women's football conflicting with it. So I'm not against a, a rebrand, but you're right, it's got to be careful. If it's done right, it can be massive. It, it, in the world of the internet now, the, those icons and that branding is super, super... It's always been important, but it's far more important now, I suspect, I would argue. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in favour of it. I've, I feel... I have liked Super League as a term, but I feel as though it's... On its course. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that now. So if ever you're going to change it, now seems... Yeah, I get I get that. Yeah, but only if it's the right change, not change for change's sake. Mm. That's not, not helping anyone, if that's the case. So there's quite a few uh, questions come up on social media, Ian, so uh, I'll read... Uh, some of these to you. There's some coming up on referees, but we're, we're going to record another show on refs, so we'll save those for them. Um, as regards grading, if I'm reading the press releases correctly, grading will not take place until the end of every season. Will this not make planning, recruitment, etc. even more difficult than it already is if clubs are unsure which tier they may be playing in? Well, that, that was my point earlier on. If you've got nine Category A's and six Category B's, uh, and I'm in a Category B, and, and I don't know at the end of the year whether I'm in the top three of the Category Bs or the bottom three of the Category Bs. So where, where am I going to play? Am I, I'm, I'm a nervous. <laughs> you know, absolutely. You know, and uh, that that's that was the idea of having three years because at least you knew for three years, but it's now it's annually. So it's, it is promotion and relegation, but in a different guise. So I'd be worried, but, you know, we, but we need to know that, you know, how much is them points? How much is coming 10th, 11th, 12th in Super League going to 
put me better than the first, second and third in the championship if, if all six of us are category Bs. I want to know that. You yeah, know. I, I wonder if, though, you're categorised in the off-season, giving you that category for next year. So if you did finish top, you've already been categorised as A, so you will have a chance of going up. Right. Rather than it all happening at the end of the year, because it'd be too late, really, to say, well, I've come top, but I don't know if I'm going up because I'm getting me new audit. The, the, yeah. the devil's in the detail, isn't it? Absolutely. We're going to use it, which will make a difference. Um, we discussed this, but there's a good point here from Paul X. What's your feeling in 2024 with only 22 league fixtures for Super League clubs? So before they go to 14, they stop the loop fixtures. You might have a year or two where you've got far fewer games. So mm. we discussed that, but it's a bit Wait. odd how you go from a lot to a few and then back up again. That's got to be hard for clubs, hasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Oh, oh it, it goes back to our original point. You know, can they can they survive on eleven? Uh, but having watched some of these extra fixtures, the back end of the year, I turned off because, with respect, I didn't want to watch Catalan second team against the Saint second team uh, or a Leeds second team because of injuries because they didn't want to risk and they had nothing to play for that's not that's not sport that's not rugby league that's not competitiveness so I'd rather have 22 really good competitive fixtures than have 26 27 where five or six of them are just also runs so I'm I'm okay with 22 as long as it's financially sustainable but that's for the clubs to pull the finger out then that's for the marketeers that's for the ticketers to to pull the finger out and say, right, you know something, you've only got 11 games this year. You need to be at all of them because I'm telling you now, the quality is going to be absolutely top drawer. And if you miss out on one of them, you're losing 9% of the games that you can watch all year just by missing one. So don't miss it. Boom, come on, let's get them there. And hopefully they can sell it. Buddy has a question for you, and that was a great response, but he's been listening outside the door and he wants to he wants to ask you. So Super League to run with twelve clubs in twenty twenty five, will there ever be enough category A clubs to make that fourteen team league starting the year after? Is that your question, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I personally Super League back chat, did you? You never got yeah. dogs asking questions. <laughs> buddy, if the honest answer to you, buddy, is I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I'd like to think so, but I, I think in that short term, to get all that in place, um, I think it's a bit of a long shot. However, let's hope, let's dream, let's try. As long as there's sustenance to, to what they're saying, as long as there's clear criteria for people to do, as long as we are generating this extra income that we're hopefully going to get, you never know. There might be loads of these big investors wanting to come in. You know, Rugby Union at the moment financially is looking like it's in a bit of a turmoil. So maybe this is a great opportunity for us to rebrand, to start something new, to start something fresh, to be excited about the future. And I'm not being funny. We've not got a lot to lose at this moment in time, have we? Because it's it's not it's not healthy across the whole competition. How many Super League winners have we had? Three, four, four. 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 I'm one of those, only three one of years, those in the last Bradford. 17 years. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So. so again, it, it's, you know, it, I, I'm not saying it's dull, but we, we don't want four clubs winning the next 25, 
or three clubs winning the next 25 or six <laughs> within the next 25. You know, that's not healthy for anybody. It's not healthy for the uh, the sport as a whole, is it? No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, well, so, I mean, we could talk about spec or speculate on many of these topics. <laughs> we've tried to pick up all the questions that have come through. Hopefully we have. We've probably missed some, but we can always pick those up next time or just through social media. If you contact us, we'll try our best to try to answer them. And I think there's probably legs in this discussion yet. Yeah, when we get more detail, I think we should come back and, and discuss this in more detail. But but, but knowing how Ian is as well, so if you have got a, a comment on it, bang it in the comments, and I'm pretty sure that we can either forward that to Ian, but Ian's quite proactive as well. He'll jump on it and he'll probably answer you your comment directly. But if not, we will put that to him and we'll try our best to get you that answer that you want so the conversation doesn't stop here put your thoughts in the comment give it a click give it a like and give us a subscribe as well and uh, from me keith buddy and ian thanks very much for listening yeah it's been great to be uh, on the doc house show tonight with these two uh the one thing that I'm passionate about besides being a rugby league referee is is working for state of mind sport charity we we talk about the importance of mental fitness so please, wherever you are, if you're struggling, just talk. Uh, but if you get a chance to go on the State of Mind Sport website or Twitter feeds or anything, please have a look us up and follow and like, and it'd be absolutely fantastic. And thanks very much to these gentlemen for allowing me to talk about the State of Mind Sport platform. Thank you. Dave and Keith talk all things rugby league on the Dockhouse Rugby Pod.